0: I've been here, this will be going on, going into the, the fifth full year. 16, 17, 18, 19, we're going into 20. And uh, each year that God's allowed me to be the pastor here at First Baptist Weatherford, as you look back on things, uh, and I know men to focus all the time, and that's fine. But I, I see that how he's continued to bring into focus how we can join him in accomplishing the work that he's doing in our church. And he's given us this vision of being a church where people can discover that they're fully known and fully loved by God. And that vision was something that came out of a lot of prayer and a lot of work uh, through the staff. And through uh, we had a, a team of people that worked with us uh, when, we, when I first came on staff that, that were determining, okay, God, we know that you want to do something with First Baptist Church. And, and you know that you want to do something with the people here. So what is it? And uh, that's been our focus on this. And just asked and thinking about, well, what's in the future? And we've been looking about that off with, right? What do I need to start? And maybe you just need to ask yourself the simple question, you know, here's the thing that you start the year off with, right? What do I need to start? What do I need to stop this year? You, you think about those things? You know, it seems like the first year we think about that, that's a pretty things that I am doing that I need to stop. And I need to, to just have those not be a part Of my life anymore? That's really always the question because some things in our life need to be torn down, right? They need to be changed. They need to be gotten rid of. They need to be let go of. They need to be moved on from. They need to just be part of the past. And yet, there's some things in our life that need to be reinforced and they need to be built on and they need to be built upon and they need to continue to be fed and continue to be taken care of and they need to grow and they need to become more of these things. And so it was interesting to me as we start the year to look back and say, okay, well, how, how has this been developed in, in our church and how are we trying to develop these things in the lives of the people in our church? And like I said, I know some of you haven't been here uh, the whole time that I've been here. Some of you have been here way before I got here, and that's fine too. Uh, but 2016, here's kind of what we started the year off in 2016. It was Genesis chapter 1. That's a good place to start, right? Right, the first of it. And uh, in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, be fruitful multiply fill the earth and subdue it rule the fish of the sea the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth and and where this was coming from was just a reminder that God has created us for a purpose God created us with a design and with a desire that would bring us fulfillment it would give him glory and it was just an awesome expression of love to know that we are created by the hand of God we're not here by accident we're here on purpose and God's given us a reason to be here and if we want to experience life to its fullest then that's something that we need to understand and the phrase that we said there was I'm a child of God I'm created in his image and I'm here to care for his creation that's what we said back then just to remind ourselves I'm a child of God I'm created by him in his image meaning that I'm supposed to be a reflection of him in this world to other people and I'm here to care for his creation what does that mean that means that God put us here because we could go and rule and subdue the earth so that we could enjoy his creation that we could have life together with one another we could care for one another we could enjoy the things of life God gave us life And that's what we need to remember, is that God's the one that started this whole thing. He's the one that put us here. And we need to be reminded of that. And we looked at that, honestly, quite a bit in 2016. And then in 2017, we kind of started the year with this thought, that life happens in seasons. I don't know how many of you remember that one. We thought about this, is that life happens in seasons. And not all the time do we get to enjoy the great seasons of life. Sometimes seasons can be long, Sometimes seasons can be short, they can be intense, they can be easy, they can be joyous, they can be sad. Sometimes we look forward to the seasons, and sometimes we wish we never had to face some of the seasons that we have to face in life. That was this truth that came, and it really came from, from this study of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12. It says, I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat, drink, and find satisfaction in all their toil. I love that phrase, that they may find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. You know, what does it mean to find satisfaction in our work? What does it mean to find satisfaction in our life? And, and what we have to remember is when we do that, that God brings us through certain seasons to grow us, to mature us, to prepare us and to make sure that we are ready for the next thing in life that he has for us. You know, we just got through with Christmas season, right? And tomorrow, a lot of people go back to work for the first time, and and they're disappointed that this other season is over, right? But yet, the new season is beginning, and now you have to get back to a new thing. And the truth about seasons is, is that you have to transition when the season transitions, because if you don't transition when the season transitions, then you're caught off guard and you're stuck, and usually you get wounded and hurt and left behind. And sometimes we, we get stuck in our life, and a season changes around us, and we don't want to change with it or we don't want to go through that, and, and we get a little bit left behind. But God brings us through seasons of life for a reason, so that we can know him more, so that we can grow, so that we can trust him more, so that we can see how his hand works in the good and in the difficult in life. And so God brings us those seasons as a gift. And, and we learn to follow him no matter the season, and when we do that, that's where we find satisfaction. We find satisfaction purely in a relationship with God, not in the circumstances of the season. In 2018, we kind of turned the corner. We spent the whole year in the book of Acts, and we started that year off looking at this one verse where it said in Acts 4.31 that when they had prayed, the place where they assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. And we looked and we understood that prayer matters. Prayer matters, and to be, to be honest with you, nothing is going to happen without prayer in our life. It is a wonderful gift of God that we have because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and the veil tore in two. We now have access to go directly to God with our hearts and our needs and everything that we have. And, and so often we, we underutilize that gift of prayer in our life. Something we talked about in there, we said, who wishes they, they could pray more? We all do. Who wishes they were more effective in prayer? We all do. I don't, I don't think I've ever met a person who goes, "Yeah, hey, I pray enough and it's really good when it happens. You know, we, we don't meet that person. There's usually people, no matter how much time they spend in prayer, what they discover is that the more that they do it, the more that they wish that they could do it better and do it more because it's in that prayer time that we find that connection with God, that he speaks to our hearts, that we feel his presence, and that what this verse reminds us is that when we pray that God will move, that he moves, he fills us with his spirit, and and we're able then to do things and face these seasons and accomplish these goals in life that we're not able to do without him. In uh, 2018, we encouraged the church to set an alarm at 431. Sometimes at 431, I'm still around some of you and your alarm goes off. Mine goes off at 431. Others, y'all stop that and that's okay. You don't have to continue that but that's where that came from was Acts 431 and so at 431 we we have people praying that they would be filled with the spirit of God and that they would speak the word of God boldly and we would accomplish this God would help our church be a light in this world that we would speak his word boldly and we would accomplish this task that he's given us to live it out and there was a quote that I read way back then it says this if we call upon the Lord he's promised In his word, to answer, to bring the unsaved to himself, to pour out his spirit among us. If we don't call upon the Lord, he's promised nothing, nothing at all. It's as simple as that. No matter what I preach or what we claim to believe in our heads, the future depends on our times of prayer. And I thought that was just an awesome quote to remember is that build that relationship. And so prayer then how can we say that we're a follower of Jesus Christ and never talk to Him and never build that relationship? And so prayer is the foundation of that. And then last year, some of you know it because some of you finished the task this last week. I saw some some posts on this that we talked about last year about God's Word being our foundation, our light, our guide. And again, this, this whole idea of if we claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ and yet we don't we don't do our due diligence to get into God's word, to know God's word, to study God's word, and more than anything else, to actually live out what God's word says, then how can we say that we're a follower of Christ? Because he's given us his word and and his answers to life, his guide for life, his direction for us in life is in here. And we challenged each, we challenged one another last year to read through God's word, just beginning to end. I gave us a plan to be able to do that. A lot of us did that. A lot of us tried. A lot of us realized, like I said last week, the Old Testament doesn't happen until September. In a year reading plan, you're like, whew, that's a long way, you know. But God's Word is our foundation, and we need to do what we can to bring it into our life. And you know why? Can you just stop for a minute and look at me for just a second? You know why it's so hard to read God's Word sometimes? Because the enemy knows what will happen in your life if you read it. So he does everything he can to give you every excuse to not do it. And so you really have to work to do it. I wish I could tell you that, you know, I've been a Christian now for 42 years, and it gets easier because, man, the more you do it, just the easier it happens. No, the more you do it, the more challenging it gets at times because the enemy makes it harder and harder because he knows when you get serious about knowing and understanding God's word and then trying to live that out, that things are going to happen in your life. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but Jesus came so that we can have life and have it to the full. And the path to that full life comes through knowing and following his word. And so that's why it's such a challenge at times. That's why you're extra tired when you set that alarm 10 minutes to get up to be able to read God's word. That's why, oops, something happened and you forgot. Or, hey, that text message is there. Or, wow, this is happening. Or, oh, we're going on a trip and we do it. All those things happen to keep you from being here. So we have to work as God's people to follow him to know his word. But the psalmist writes these words, Psalm 19, 7 and 8, the instruction of the Lord is perfect Renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. Amen. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. And we talked about the fact that it's the one clear way that God speaks to everyone. It's a guide for how to live. We don't just listen to it, but we strive to do what it says, and it is the path to life. It, it is the one, the one book, God's Word, that I will tell you that when you actually live it out and follow it, your life will begin to change and you will discover the life that God has in store for you when you put God's Word into practice in your life. And I mention all of these things just to, to remind us that, you know, we're, we're not just doing this willy-nilly. <laughs> God's, God's got a design, starting way back in Genesis 1 when he said, I made you for a purpose. You know, that hasn't changed. God's got us together at this point in history for a reason. God's put us in this church for a reason. God's placed us in Weatherford for a reason. God puts the people around us in our life for a reason. God has you in the season that you're in for a reason. One of the biggest blessings that I've gotten in the, in the past few weeks was, was going around and, and making a few visits to some of ours some of our members who aren't able to to come to church all the time they're they're either shut in sometimes or they 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 live in assisted living. I went and saw Miss Frieda Simpson. I don't know how many of you know Miss Frieda Simpson, but uh, she is ninety seven or something, and she's the sweetest person. She has the sharpest memory that you've ever you've ever met. She still tries to play piano, but she can't get here very often. She's having trouble seeing now, and. I do this with everybody. I, just, I usually go, how can I be praying for you? And she looked at me and she said, well, pastor, I know that if I'm still here, I'm here for a reason. And I just want to keep accomplishing God's will. So you pray that I can keep accomplishing God's will, whatever it is. 97, can't see, living in assisted living, she wants to accomplish God's will. I went, That's a challenge to me. That's the way that I need to live my life. I need to understand that God has me here For a reason, there's some things in our life that we need to get rid of and some things we need to build on. And so I bring up all these things from the past to say God's been building something and he continues to build his church and he wants to do more with it. And I want us to look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 today. So if you have that, you can flip over there. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 was where we're going to start, 36 through 40. It's the greatest command. It's probably a verse if you've grown up in church or been around church you're familiar with. Maybe if you're new to church you you might not be familiar with it. But people are trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to figure out who Jesus is. They're trying to find out what's going on with Jesus. And they're, they're really not on board with him. And they're trying to trap him in something so that they can persecute him or arrest him or, you know, kill him or get rid of him. And so they're working real hard. And so all these smart religious people. All these smart religious people gather around Jesus, and they're trying to figure out how they can trap him. And so they just basically ask him, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus gives an answer. Verse 36, teacher, what's the greatest, which command in the law is the greatest? In verse 37, he said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now let that sink in for just a moment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest command and most important command. Why? Because that's the foundation. If we're going to say that we love God, then our desire and our work needs to be, then how do I love him more? What does it mean for me to give him All of myself. How do I put myself aside? How do I tear down the things that I've built up in my life that are unnecessary and unwanted and keeping me from God and leave those aside? And how do I work to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind? That's the first and most important thing that I should be doing. That's the foundation for it all. But then Jesus says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the question for 2020. What can I do better to love my neighbor? That's the question. As I look back on on the things that we've been doing and and, kind of reminding us why we're here and saying, you know, God brings us through seasons and we're going to go through these seasons together and, and we need to be praying and that God fills us with his spirit and that we need to get into God's word and, and there are things that we need to do individually and it's kind of been some self-reflection or some inward work. Well, here's the truth. It, it's time to looking at our community and looking at our culture and looking at, and it's time to start looking at our neighbors and looking at our neighborhoods and looking at our community and looking at our culture and looking at the things around us and say, God, you've put me here for them you didn't put them here for me you put me here for them we live in a we live in a culture that it, it makes it very easy for us to focus on ourself and, and and to just do things that are just well what's best for me or what's most convenient for me or how do I do this and, and we don't see a whole lot of people anymore that are saying you know what I'm going to put myself aside and I'm going to do what's best for others Even when others may or may not deserve that. And I think the question for us in 2020 is, what can I do to better love my neighbor? Start at home. Love those neighbors first. What can you do to better love your neighbors at home? The ones that God has put you in a household with. What what is it that you can do with those that are around you? How can you better love the people that you're sitting with right now in this church? You know, what does it mean for us to do that And then beyond that, how do we do that outside of these walls? Here's a quote for you. You can write it down. You can put it on something and maybe you want to see it a lot of times throughout the day. I will tell you, it might not be the most inspirational quote that you'll ever hear, but it's one that will help you find direction. Here's a quote. Write it down. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about how I want it done. It's not about how I think it should be done. It's not about what I think that they should know or how I think that they should do it, it's not about me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength and love your neighbor about uh, yourself. What in those two commands in which all the law and the prophets hang on are there about you? You have two things that you're supposed to do. Love God, love others. Now here's the thing you need to be reminded of. Anytime that God's word gives us such clear instruction like that, We need to go all the way back to Genesis 1, that God created us in his image to care for his creation. And he did that so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. That's why God came. So when God's word gives us instruction, he's given us instruction so that we can find life. But everything that's in us and in our culture is trying to point us away to something else and lead us to something that I have is worth it. And when I do that and I get everything that I need from my relationship with God, it's only then that I have the ability and the capacity to love others. I don't love others so that they'll take care of me. I don't love others so that I get recognized for it. I don't love others because this is some sort of relationship where, you know, we, we both gain from it. No, I love others because God's already given me everything and then I'm supposed to love others and that's how I find life. We need to quit asking the question in a lot of areas of our life, what's in it for me? And we need to start asking the question of what can I do for them? And that's when we'll change the world. That's when you'll change your family. That's when you'll change your relationships. That's when you'll change those estranged relationships with friends and loved ones is when you stop asking the question and stop worrying about what's in it for you and start saying, well, what can I do for them? And let me just go ahead and tell you, it's hard. I don't stand up here on Sundays and go, oh, let me just give them things to do and, you know, they're easy. No, it, this one's hard because everything in us has a tendency to circle back to us. And we have to work to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, we need to work on this. I, I'm here to love God and love others. And when I do so, that's when I will find abundant life. And the more I make life about me, the more difficult it becomes. That's just the truth of it. You know, when, when we start showing up for things, for what we can give instead of what we can get, that's where we find life. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, all and not anyone's slave. Starting in verse 19, although I'm free from all and not anyone's slave i have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people to the jews i became like a jew to win jews to those under the law like one under the law though i myself am not under the law but to win those under the law to those who are without the law I became like one without the law, though I'm not without the law, but under the law of Christ. But I did that to win those without the law. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may, be, so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel. Now I do all this because of the gospel. I do all this because of the gospel so that I may share in the blessings. That's when you know that your walk with Christ is changing. When you have the ability to say, I do these things for the sake of the gospel, not for the sake of my preferences. I do these for the betterment of other people, not for what's most convenient for me. I do the things in my life so that by some means, in some ways, that people will know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the only way that we have the ability to do that is when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can't just go out and start loving your neighbor if you don't fully fall in love with God first. You'll fail. Somebody will frustrate you enough where you'll go, I'm done with that but if you're getting what you need from your relationship with God then you will then have the capacity to be able to go out and love your neighbor i said this last week it's worth repeating truth is best received in the context of a loving relationship truth is best received in the context of a loving relationship and so god gives us the ability to have relationships and interaction with other people and we know the truth, the truth that sets people free. If we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we know the truth. And then when we desire to love on one another, then we look for those ways that we can build relationships, whether it's a short relationship season or a long relationship season meaning whether it's someone that lives in your house with you and you've got to figure out what love looks like there, or whether it's the clerk at the grocery store and you've got to figure out what that relationship looks like for that 30 seconds that God gives you. God has put those people in your life for a reason. And the motivating question that should drive us is, how can I better love my neighbor, those that God has placed in my life? That should be our motivator. And again, I remind you, Not out of guilt, not out of obligation, but out of this understanding that if God has instructed me in his word that this is how I'm supposed to do life, then when I do things his way and I actually follow his word, I'll find life. And so if we can somehow get to that place in our life where we say it's not about me. I don't care what color it is, how it sounds, how loud, how little, how soft, how hard, how that. I don't care. It's it's about them. I become all things to all people so that I can win some. Those are the best people you ever want to be around in your life because they just love on you. They take you for who you are, where you are, and then they just pour the truth of God into you, and they allow God to do the work in other people's lives. Now, here's the last thing I want to tell you this morning. I don't have three steps to do this. And a plan for us to follow and anything else like that. And here's why. Because God created you to be you. And God's put those people around you. And you know what it is that God's calling you to do. You know what you can do to build up these things in your life. And you know the things that that tend to keep you away from that. So here's what I want to, to do for us as we have a response time this morning. I just want to give you... An opportunity to respond to God and say, okay, God, this is how I'm going to love my neighbor more. And maybe you are maybe you're go, I don't know how I'm going to do that yet. I just need some time to think about this. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you something. Here's the truth about things. If you don't actually commit to it, maybe if you don't write it down, if you don't share it with somebody else, then, you know, 99 times out of 100 on that, I just made that stat up on the spot, by the way. 99 times out of 100, you don't, you don't do it. You don't follow up if you don't actually say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. So for our response time today, I just simply want you to answer this question, what can I do to better love my neighbor? What does that look like for me in 2020?